following is a special KMOX Sports presentation. Welcome to the Strike Zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. It is the Strike Zone as we get into the 7 o'clock hour here on a Thursday on KMOX. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauly this week. Glad you're along with us as it is a Thursday. We are talking baseball and we've got plenty to talk about despite the fact that there has not been a, uh, a Cardinals game, a regular season game since the uh, since uh, back on Sunday. That's all right. We're in the All-Star break, but we are only in the All-Star break until tomorrow. So we'll get right back into uh, Cardinals games, Cardinals baseball, and we're going to preview all of that. We'll talk with Will Leach coming up here in our second segment of uh, this 7 o'clock hour. We will also talk with uh, Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post, who is the Nationals beat writer. So we'll get his view on the Washington Nationals. They are also struggling uh, this year, and we'll talk about that series. We'll talk about the Nationals. We'll talk about the 2024 baseball schedule, which has been released, the Major League Baseball schedule, which, of course, includes the Cardinals baseball schedule. So we'll get into that here as we go along in the 7 o'clock hour. All baseball from here until 8 o'clock when we finish off for you here. Let's start with this. I think that everybody knows what is to come from this point through August 1st, and that is going to be uh, possible changes, right? There's going to be changes at some point. If not before, they're going to come at that trade deadline. And I know a lot has been made of the fact that I saw one headline that said the Cardinals are officially sellers. Well, that might be the case. Let's clarify a little bit. This is John Moselock on Sunday, as he always is here on uh, Sports on a Sunday Morning with me this week talking about the approach. We're not, we're not able to collectively pull that confidence that you need to play in this game at this level on a regular basis. And so, you know, we're going to look at ways to, to try to change that. And uh, that's probably going to mean trying to change a few faces candidly. And so we'll just see how the next uh, two to three weeks play out. Um, obviously with the, the trading deadline looming, we're going to have to look at, at ways to try to help this club now, but also, you know, have an eye on what we might be able to do to better ourselves for 2024 and beyond. So what does that mean? That's the question. How do you better yourselves for 2024 and beyond? Um, But there will be some new faces. He said, I guess he said different faces, some changes in faces, all of those things. So, yes, it's out there. I don't think the Cardinals are officially a seller should be the headline because I don't think anybody watching doesn't believe that there will be moves made. But it's not going to be a fire. This is not going to be the you know, post-1997 or post-2003 Florida Marlins. It is not going to be everybody up for grabs. It's not going to be the, um, you know, I I don't believe, and I'm sure that probably officially, like, on the record, like, nobody is untouchable. I, I can't imagine. I imagine there are some untouchables in this lineup. I don't think that Arenado goes. I don't think Goldschmidt goes. Certainly not Jordan Walker's going. I don't think Nolan Gorman goes. Um, I do think there are plenty of pieces. I don't think Wilson Contreras goes. They're not going to, you know, they made that investment. They're not, they're not giving up on that investment. Um, so I think that, I think after that, though, it's probably pretty wide open. 
you know right off the bat you have players that are unrestricted free agents in guys like Flaherty, Montgomery, Hicks. But the question is, how? What do you get for those guys? And I th- and that's legitimate as well because anybody obtaining them is going to have them. It's you know it's the old rental thing, right? It's it's what the Cardinals did last year with Quintana. That was basically a rental. Now I still wonder, like, did they have some inkling that there was some medical issues there that he wasn't going to quite be healthy? He still has not pitched in 2023. For all of those people that were upset and yelling that the Cardinals had an easy sign right in front of them. Maybe they did, but maybe they knew something. Maybe there was something that they had seen that led them to believe that signing Jose Quintana was not a good deal. And as it turns out, it would not have been a good deal. And you would have been mad. Fans would have been mad that the Cardinals didn't do their due diligence and didn't know this was coming. And so one way or the other, they weren't going to be happy about that. But that's the situation you're in if you acquire a Jordan Hicks or a Jack Flaherty, something like that, even Jordan Montgomery. And we still have not got any further clarification on Jordan Montgomery on the hamstring that got him pulled from the game against the White Sox in that last series. So that the, all of that is interesting just to, you know, to see unless, you know, I mean, it's, it's happened before. Yes, I get it. And like I said, the Cardinals did it last year with Quintana. So yeah, there'll be a market, but what's the market going to be? That's the, the big question there as far as going forward. Let's also take a look at uh, just a little bit of what the Cardinals have, like let's say in Memphis, right? Because if you make moves, you start opening up some spots. Maybe there's some guys we've seen. Uh, Luke and Baker, for example, we've seen him up a little bit. Um, and by the way, Building the Future is sponsored by Graybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. So the future, when you look at something like that, you've got Luke and Baker down in Memphis, who has got a 1.097 OPS, just continues to have a fantastic season. He's hit two. He's hit 22 home runs, 60 RBIs. There at the break as well, by the way. Moises Gomez, who was among the major or the minor league leaders in homers last year, 20 home runs, 52 RBIs at the break, and an OPS that's approaching 800. Mason Wynn, of course, is down in Memphis, um, still I think trying to get his feet under him, but he's hitting 266. The OPS is back up to 740 at the AAA level. Uh, Ivan Herrera, who had a nice series when he came up uh, with the White Sox or against the White Sox, rather, in that series. He has had a good season at AAA. He is I think he's still up with the Redbirds right now because Andrew Kisner's on the injured list. So you have those guys that are at the AAA level, and that'll be another thing I think worth watching that as the moves are made, is there a place for some of them to maybe showcase some time, get some time at the major league level. We shall see. Let's take a break here. We'll come back and we'll visit with Will Leach, who, of course, you read on MLB.com. You read him in the Atlantic. He's a big Cardinals fan. He's got his own feelings about how this season has uh, turned out and and what might lie ahead for the Redbirds. It is the uh, strike zone here on Camo X. We're back after this. Welcome back to the strike zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. It's the strike zone on a Thursday night here on KMOX. Joe Pot back with you in for Matt Pauly this week and pleased to be joined by Will Leach, the esteemed Cardinals fan. And we've had the chance to chat before. I think it's been a while, but 
we haven't had the chance to commiserate over the Cardinals Ooh. before. I think the last time the Cardinals had a losing record, I was midway through a play-by-play career. The last time they were this bad or this bad of a record, I think I was not quite 13 years old. So it has been uh, quite a while since we've had to endure this kind of first half, this kind of futility from this team. Um, what, what does that mean for you? What do you make of it as a Cardinal fan yourself? Well, first off, I would like to say uh, one thing I've, I've been hearing from my non-Cardinal fan friends for years is like, oh, it's easy for you guys to be Cardinal fans. You win every year. This is simple. No, well, you, you guys just be happy all the time. I'd li- if they start losing, you'd bail. I can now confirm that's not the case. Correct. <laughs> I think it's really kind of remarkable to see uh, if anything should put pressure on the front office to understand kind of how bad this year has been and kind of what they're dealing with. The fact that you're still seeing – I think it was a game where they lost like four in a row and it was really at the worst. It was a Thursday afternoon game and there were 42,000 people there. (laughs) To me, I think this is still a sign. Fans are still engaged and still uh, kind of this team, even though things are going bad and they are going pretty bad. You know, I think, I think the frustrations are, are manifold really, but I, you know, I think the two major ones, uh, one is a front office idea, which is the idea. I think there's a lot of frustration. A lot of people were saying before the season, hey, do the Cardinals have enough pitching? They're kind of counting a lot on Wainwright and Matt and a lot of these guys that didn't get in. And I think there was concern about that, and that's certainly played out. I think maybe the thing that probably even is not maybe is not as terrible but certainly causes more frustration is just the general sloppiness of play. I think that's, that's the thing that feels the most uncardinal like. And look at their last game before we even went into the All-Star break, a game they won despite three errors, two pass balls, two runners getting thrown out, just all the things that – Traditionally, even when the Cardinals have not been this dominant team, we've associated with Cardinals baseball to be pretty crisp. The defense has had problems. There's been base running issues. All these sort of problems that we've seen that that have kind of compounded on themselves. The pitching thing is frustrating, and you hope you look at you look at the front office like, okay, clearly they have to resolve this for 2024. The general sloppiness and non-Cardinal stuff, I think that maybe is what's most alarming. Will Leach is with us here on the Strike Zone. You can read him on MLB.com, The Atlantic, lots of other places. Um, I, I think, you know, to your point, it was, I don't know if refreshing is the word, but hearing Nolan Arenado at the All-Star game during media day kind of acknowledging that same thing, right? This is not what Cardinal baseball is, and this is not how we want it to be. And someone, and, and even him, for a guy who is as smooth and as good at third base as anybody has ever been, it's not been that kind of year for him even. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, if Aaron is the sort of player that for all of his talents and all of the things that make him you know, probably a Hall of Famer someday, he is kind of a rhythm player, right? Like he's not – like I think of someone like Pujols who was just the same guy every single day, the machine, right? Right. Uh, Arenado is, is a, obviously a great player. And again, a Hall of Famer coming up, but certainly he's a guy that – He's uh, he plays by feel, right? You know, you you see him at that's one thing we kind of learn watching him with the Cardinals. He's all, he's talented, but he's also really smart, but also gets you just you see him figuring stuff out mid play. So to see him off this year, to me, and again, he's been a really good hitter lately. I, I it's just hardly a, a, a knock against Arenado, but I think he is kind of in, symptomatic of the general problem with the team. The vibe has just been off a little bit, really kind of from the get-go, with whether it was the Tyler O'Neill situation or the Wilson Contreras situation. The whole thing has just felt off. And then when you add to that, 
the pitching issues, which have gone beyond just the starting rotation. In fact, one of the kind of amusing things that's happened is over the last couple of weeks, the starting pitching actually has not been too bad. Matt's has, Matt's has started to look a little bit better, and Michaelis has come around a little bit, and Flaherty's had some terrific outings. But then you start running out of pitches on the back half, and there's, and there's bullpen issues going there. I think that's, that's what's really most alarming. If Steele, I think that's why both of those things running parallel to one another if the pitching, we've had seasons where the pitching has been off a little bit, and the Cardinals have still made the playoffs, whether it's doing a, making a Lester trade at the deadline or a J Happ and so on. But the thing that's always been there has been that brand of Cardinals baseball. Frankly, the brand of Cardinals baseball that made Nolan Arenado want to be a part of it in the first place. And so that, to me, you can work on the pitching. There are things that you can do to resolve that. You need to maybe some little, some little uh, commitment from ownership, but certainly you can fix that. What I think Cardinal fans will really want to see in the second half is just to have them start looking like the Cardinals again. Even if they're, they're still pitching issues, the things are working out, and you're focused on young players, you'd like to see that, old, that Cardinals baseball that I think no matter – even when the team has been good or not been good, we've seen that, and that, that's really what's been missing this year. Will, when you, when you talk about the, the lack of the vibe or the vibe being off, can you attribute any of that to not having a Pujols or a Yadier Molina in that clubhouse, the – the Cardinals, at least in recent years, have always sort of had one of those guys, whether it was them specifically or like a Chris Carpenter or a uh, a healthy and, and strong Adam Wainwright. They don't have that kind of voice in the clubhouse. You're not going to get that kind of strong vocal leadership from a Paul Goldschmidt, from a Nolan Arenado. Does that play into this at all? I mean, certainly, uh, anecdotally, it feels that way, right? It certainly feels there'd be times where they would go through these funks. We've seen the Cardinals go through funks during the time that both Pujols and Molina were here. And it always seemed like there was a kick in the gear, frankly, generally from Yachty. Yachty seemed to be the one yep. that was kind of more apt to do that. And listen, I think that's another reason why we all knew it was going to be hard to replace Yachty. And there was a lot of stuff that stats didn't sort of show. And that's why I think sometimes Wilson Contreras gets people kind of give him a bad rap. Like that's an impossible job. Like no one can do that, let alone someone that just got here. And I think his hitting has come back around the defense, there's defense issues. So I think that I think still like he's a net positive for the team and, and something I think you can, you, you can work on moving forward. But yeah, not having that guy uh, is hard. It's hard. That also makes the Cardinals like every other team in baseball. <laughs> like, right. I, I think there is a certain uh, level of, uh, and listen, I, I don't want to overstate it. Yachty didn't play that many games last year. <laughs> and there have been times where Yachty's been out a little bit, and the Pools was gone for a decade, and the Cardinals still had a lot of success. So I think that uh, – I, I do think you miss those guys, but I also don't look at this team. and It's hard to you – can, you can overstate a little bit, right? You can't yeah. be like, oh, wow, well, I mean, they, they, if, if Pools were here, the starting pitching would be better. You know, like at a certain level, there's only so much you can do. Uh, I don't wait. I, I, I think uh, like Wainwright might be a little better with Molina, but he's it's not going to. He's not going to start throwing 91 again, right? You know, I think that there are issues, talent issues, and aging issues that I think go beyond just the leadership thing. I think we all liked it when Yachty would rile everybody up and get fired up, and he wouldn't accept this sort of thing. And I think that's right. I'm not sure those things would necessarily resolve the issues uh, uh, that are going on with this team right now. Will Leach is with us. It's the strike zone on Camo X on a Thursday night as this season turns to the proverbial second half. Um, and, and John Moselak has made it very clear to me personally on Sunday on our show, talking about what is going, what it's going to look like. New faces is the, the term that he used. Um, it's fortuitous. Yes. That maybe someone like Jack Flaherty has started to turn a corner or 
Jordan Hicks has started to emerge as a serviceable, better than that, closer. That could really play positively for the Cardinals, couldn't it? Oh, I mean, if you look, I look at teams like the Baltimore Orioles or like the New York Yankees, there are teams that are really very dedicated to winning this year and clearly need pitching. And uh, those guys are, are, are really kind of perfectly situated. Yes, I still think fans should be careful about expecting too much, no matter how good Hicks is right now, no matter how good Flaherty is right now, no matter how much the market is in need of starting pitching, they still, you're still just getting these guys. Like Flaherty, you're getting him for maybe nine starts, maybe. <laughs> like I think at a certain level, uh, these guys are free agents at the end of the year. Generally speaking, we've seen the last few years, it's pretty difficult to get a top-level prospect when, for, for just a two-month rental. Mm-hmm. We, it's, really, it's been a while since we've really seen that. And I think the last big one we saw was probably the Cubs trading for Aroldis Chapman and getting Gleyber Torres, a deal that the Cubs have regretted ever since. I mean, they got a World Series out of it, but certainly uh, that they miss those guys in a lot of ways. So I think you don't see those front offices tend to not value uh, those guys that much. So I, I think Cardinals should be careful, Cardinal fans anyway, should be careful about expecting too much back from these guys. Now, if you start looking in the other direction, if you really want to get like a big prospect, you have to start talking about team control. And that's when you start talking about you know, I don't know if Tyler O'Neill gets me much right now, but like there's a team that can dream on Tyler O'Neill because they've got him next year. They can think that they can be the one that fixes him, or or you know, Paul DeYoung is someone like that. Or even if you start pushing, maybe even someone like Tommy Edmond, who is a terrific player, but also would be someone that that you might be able to get something back for him. I'm not saying they should trade Edmond, but the point is, is that like this notion that you're going to be able to replenish the prospect. Uh, coffers a little bit just from this for the Cardinals finally being a team that trades at the deadline. I don't, I think that's a little overstated. I think they're going to be able to get something back, but the idea that, uh, that you can get a lot for guys that whose contracts are about to expire. I, I we should probably temper our expectations a little bit on that. Unless uh, if, to get something you want, you have to trade something that really hurts. And generally speaking, trading a guy whose contract is about to expire doesn't hurt that much. And teams know that. And so tend to not pay as much as maybe fans will be expecting them to get. Do you want them to stretch? Do you want them to be to to do something that's a little uncomfortable? I think uh, I, I think it probably yeah. To be honest, I think I think it probably is a little bit necessary. I don't, the, the idea of trading Goldschmidt and Arenado have always felt like national reporters being a little bored by right. the trade deadline this year and wanting to like uh, to, try, to try to like give some some meat for the grill or so on. But I I think it more. Like, there are issues. Like, there are, like, for you worried about the pitching this year. I don't have no idea who's going to be a starting pitcher for this team next year. <laughs> like, the, 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 the only two people that have really been keeping them afloat pitching wise for the last month are the people that are most likely to trade, Montgomery and Flaherty. So, there are certainly pitching issues for this for next year. And the notion that you're going to be able to get a starting pitcher for 2024 uh, that, that, you, that you feel comfortable moving forward, which is clearly the biggest issue they have for 2024. By trading Flaherty or Montgomery seems unlikely. So yeah, I think I think there are positional uh, repetitiveness in several places. They clear, clear out the outfield issue. They get a lot of infielders that are moving around. Like the Cardinals have a lot of talent. They have a lot of good players, but they don't have a lot of clarity. Now I don't think you trade any. Obviously, you don't trade Walker. I think people like Newt Bar. I think even Carlson, someone you hang on to. But uh, yeah, you you need to clear out these extra outfield spots and these extra infield spots. And it may have to be something that hurts, but right now I legitimately, like I could not name who the five most likely people to be starting pitchers for the Cardinals in 2024. That's a issue. If you want to like, if Mosellac correctly is saying we are 
wanting to compete in 2024, you have to fix that problem. And I think you may have to give something something that hurts a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, Will Leach with us here just for a minute or two. I wanted to mention uh, another book out from Will Leach. The Time Has Come, a novel that came out in May. Uh, tell me about the book and where people can find that book. Yeah, you can find it in bookstores everywhere and Amazon, wherever you, wherever you find it. It's a novel about, uh, it's a novel that takes place in the summer of uh, 2021. So the time where I think everyone thought they had just gone through something very difficult and were about to head into the sunshine and everything was going to be better. I can't speak to you, but it didn't quite turn out that way. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of capture that little moment in time. It's a thriller, but it's hopefully kind of funny. It takes place in my hometown, uh, my, my town I live now of Athens, Georgia. And so it's a hopefully kind of exciting book and uh, uh, kind of a thriller sort of aspect that people have generally kind of likes. I've been very fortunate. And my other book, How Lucky, came out right before that. So th- they let me keep writing about sports and writing <laughs> novels. I feel like I'm getting away with everything. Well, Will, I appreciate you taking some time today here on X. Enjoyed talking a little Cardinal baseball with you, and I'm sure that we'll have a chance to catch up again down the road. Of course. Be safe. Have a good one. Thank you so much. That is Will Leach with us here on The Strike Zone. You can follow him at William F. Leach. It's The Strike Zone, part of our Graybar Sports Open Line here on a Thursday night. Camo X, we're coming right back after this. Welcome back to the Strike Zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. It is the Strike Zone here on KMOX. Joe Pot back with you in for Matt Pauly. Just a, uh, well, a little bit more time left here in this hour. We are scheduled to be joined by Jesse Doherty. We're trying to get in touch with him as we speak, so we'll get him uh, hopefully as soon as we can. Get a little preview of that Washington National Series, which is to come starting tomorrow night at Bush Stadium. It is a 7-15 game tomorrow night. It is nice, though, to be talking about actual uh, game instead of just saying, hey, coming up the end of the week, the end of the week. We're now at the point where it's tomorrow night, 7-15 game. So, 7-15, Miles Michaelis will make the start. The Cardinals have made the announcement as far as their rotation goes, or at least as far as tomorrow night's game goes. The Nationals have yet to make the announcement as to their rotation. The Cardinals will go with Michaelis, Stephen Matz, and Jack Flaherty. So, I don't think that's any kind of surprise. We would, of course... Not expect to see Montgomery yet if they're still trying to give him some time to come back from that hamstring injury that we wouldn't uh, see him in the rotation. And we do have uh, Jesse on the line uh, here as we preview this series, the first series on the uh, other side of the All-Star break. Joe Pot with you and uh, Jesse Doherty with us from the Washington Post. He's the beat writer for the Washington Nationals. Appreciate you taking some time. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, The Nationals and Cardinals, at least on paper, you look at the record, cards are 38 and 52, Nationals 36 and 54, but it feels, uh, I think, at least from this side, it feels differently. It doesn't feel like these are two teams kind of in the same, going the same, they are going the same direction. Um, But the Cardinals, of course, it's just completely out of left field. I don't know if maybe a 36 and 54 record is uh, exactly what's expected, but I don't know that maybe what was expected from the Cardinals is what was expected from the Nationals coming into this year. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals, on paper at least, take the record out of it, are way more talented, and expectations were way higher for them going into the season. I think Nationals are very much in a rebuilding stage. Um, they're not spending much on their roster. They're, to, they're 
pretty much getting what they paid for uh, in terms of, you know, free agent signings and overall uh, roster construction. So, yeah, I mean, where they are right now, I mean, you could even argue they're probably pacing even a bit ahead of what's expected. They were 107 loss team last year. I think, you know, projecting around 100 this year was probably fair just in terms of how teams typically progress year to year. If you keep the same group around and guys get a year older, um, it's a lot of young players. It's a lot of guys who are either rookies last year or in their first full seasons in the major this year. So definitely different situations with a similar record for sure. Uh, Josiah Gray, he's been a bright spot. He was an all-star for the Nationals this year, pitched a scoreless inning in in, uh, Seattle. He's been a nice uh, addition. Yeah, I think, you know, for – not only has he been solid this year, but I think the most encouraging part of it is how, how bad he was last year. So the year-to-year improvement has been huge. You know, he he led the National League in home runs allowed and walks last season, which are, you know, two two of the three outcomes, strikes, walks, and homers right. that a pitcher pretty much controls or, or has the most control over. Balls in play really have the most variance. So you really don't want to see those go that way. And then this year he sacrificed some strikeouts, but he's he's, he's inducing a lot, you know, a lot of weak contact, which is really positive. So I, I think, you know, there's some there's some signs in his numbers that there's going to be regression in the second half. I'd really interested to see if he can start to get a bit more whiffs again. I think it'd be good if his strikeout numbers tick up, but not at the expense of, you know, the, the approach he's taken that has limited those home runs, which really were his Achilles heel. So adding new pitches has been huge for him, um, tinkering a lot. Uh, there is obviously the trap of over-tinkering and, and doing a little too much, but so far it's worked, and, and we'll see if he can carry it in the second half. So another guy that I liked and I liked him when he was in St. Louis is Lane Thomas. And he is, it feels like finally sort of living up to maybe expectations to what even I think that the Cardinals and what Cardinals fans expected him to be before he was really hit hard, I think, by COVID. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely, um, I remember reading stories before he got to the Nationals that he seemed to not play so well in 2020 and he lost a lot of time and, and maybe also energy from from. Um, you know, from testing positive for the coronavirus, and he's been really solid this year. There's some there's some luck on his side. His batting average on balls in play, which typically is the indicator of bad luck or good luck, is a lot higher than league average. So there could be a slide for him coming as well. There's there's some thought here in, in DC that there will be merit to trading him at the top of his value this month. I don't think I don't expect the team to do that, although it might be on the table. But um, you know, he's been the team's best hitter, arguably, along with Jamer Candelario. He's he might not get to this point again, um, or maybe he maybe he does sort of keep trending in this direction, and he becomes a good third or fourth outfielder on a more competitive team. He's with the Nationals for another two years after this one of team control, so um, that's certainly attractive when you're, when you're looking to build. And um, yeah, he's he's certainly impressed. And you know, I think people locally here like to point out he was traded for John Lester, who uh, <laughs> retired after his I think it was 13 starts at the Cardinals that year, and. Obviously, different situations then where the Cardinals needed an arm and, and Thomas was sort of the odd man out in the outfield. So I think from a logical standpoint, the trade makes sense. But it, it is kind of a punchline around here that, you know, we got this guy for a pitcher who was on his last leg. So it seemed like a, a big steal. Yeah, And you mentioned it. You said or, or at least mentioned the possibility that he could be somebody they'd move. Do, do you feel like that that there are I, I can't imagine there's a, a lot of moves that you would expect, but something like that would certainly make sense, right? Yeah, I think Candelario, third baseman, is almost certainly the move. He's he's on a one-year deal. Uh, good money for a team to bring in five million total for the year. So prorated that over the last two months is a really really small investment. And he's been really solid. He's a, he's been an above-average defender at third. He's been above-average hitter. 
the switch hitter. He started to show a bit more power from the right side, which I think is, is positive. He's better left-handed hitter, so if a team has that hole, he makes sense. But the fact that he's ticked up a bit as a righty is, is, adds to his value. So he, he's he's probably, I wouldn't say 100% likely to move because that's, that's a hard thing to handicap, but I'd say pretty close. Uh, after that, it gets a little trickier. I mean, the Nationals have other guys on expiring deals. Corey Dickerson, who was a Cardinal last season, is one of them, but he hasn't quite you know hit to the point of like bringing in a big return. Um, there's some relievers that have a lot of control left, so I, I'd be, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they moved, but I don't know if it's necessarily in the cards. They held on last year, the similar guys, um, thinking they wanted to keep them around. That's Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr. is a rental, so he would make sense, but he's on the injured list, so he's been hard for him to prove himself after kind of a rough start. Uh, and then Lane Thomas is in the mix as well. So kind of the, the, the big one for Washington that's kind of a tricky is Patrick Corbin. He's owned, he's owed $24 million next season. Uh, the, the, obviously a bit of money still on the left rest of this year. Um, he's been one of the worst starters in baseball in the past three seasons, but he's been a bit better this year. Had a really good start right before the, de- right before the All-Star break. Has had some flashes this year of being sort of something similar to his old self when he got that initial $140 million contract. So, I'm not sure if the money will work out for a suitor. I thought it seemed like the Mets early on would be, make more sense because of the way Steve Cohen spends. But those are that's sort of the group of players that could potentially move if the Nationals um, can find can find partners for them. I mean, they're certainly in full sell mode if it all makes sense, just because of where they are as a franchise. So what you're saying though is it has a slightly different look than last year at this time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think it's it's more options to move. Um, right. You know, last year, three guys moved. It was you know two two years ago when they got Lane Thomas, they traded eight players. I think it could be maybe somewhere in the middle of those two, whereas last year it was just three moves. It was, or three players, rather. It was Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the Padres, and then A. Ray Adrianzo went to the Braves. It was only three guys moved in the end. It felt like a big deadline because they got that huge return for Soto, but they actually didn't make that many deals. So I think in terms of just volume of trades, it could kind of fall somewhere in between. Uh, Jesse Doherty is with us. He covers the Nationals for the Washington Post. Uh, Of course, the Nationals able to nab Dylan Cruz with the number two pick in the draft. And I was reading some stuff just earlier today, I guess. Um, one of the things the Nationals have done is they've sort of bunched up. They're, they're going to spend more money on their top picks than they are on the their lower picks, right? Is that Did I explain that right? Yeah. So, what you know, what, the way the draft works, and you know, forgive me if you've already covered this, or but it you basically you get a lump sum of money. So you know, if you say let's say it's a hundred dollars, it's way more than that. But if, but basically each pick in the top ten is assigned a value. So if, if the first pick is assigned fifteen dollars, um, if if you spend you know one dollar below the value for the second pick, now you have sixteen dollars to spend on your first pick, and so on and so forth. So by basically they're front loading the money on their top three picks. Right, that would right. be Dylan Cruz, Yoan De Morales, and uh, Travis Sikora, who's a who's a high school lefty. Um, that that in other in other situations might not come out. He might go to college and say, "I'm going to try and up my stock and get a higher money later." But what the Nationals are doing is they're taking basically picks six through ten and so on and giving them way way below that value. So let's say if the value is five dollars, they're giving them ten cents. So by doing that, they're basically saying, "Look, this guy is a senior. He probably wasn't going to get drafted anyway, but we're going to give him twenty thousand um, dollars, which maybe what he got is an undrafted free agent. Maybe is even more. He also gets to say forever he was a fifth or sixth round pick in the major league draft, which you know go, going forward means something on a resume line, even if, you know if you're trying to coach or." or whatever it may be post-playing days, um, those, all, those things all matter. And then what they do is they sign those guys, and then they take all those savings, and they make they assure that they get not just Dylan Cruz at the second pick, but also the, guy, the kid from Miami at the second round, the high school in the third round, and maybe even some guys even later on um, in the teens that you know maybe are, are hell-bent on going to college, but now they're saying, well, I can get money as if I'm a fifth-round pick. 
uh, I might not ever get hired than that. And, you know, it's, I, I risk a lot going to college for two, three, four years because of injuries, especially pitchers who are always thinking of that, their arms burn out. Um, so it's definitely a strategy. It's more of a boom or bust. Um, you're not spreading out that money across 10 to 15 players. You're, you're really concentrating it in three, four, five, six guys. Um, but I think where they are right now, they see themselves maybe two years away from contending again. Depth hasn't been great in the system, but um, it's certainly sort of the move that says we're going to try and plug some big holes rather than spread that out over a bunch of uh, you know players. And, and t- it's, it's like it's like buying three or four really high probability lottery tickets instead of buying twenty low probability ones. Sure. I guess is how you could say it. Sure. Um, what do you expect uh, for the rotation this weekend from the Nationals? I haven't seen it from the Nationals yet. I still oh, at man. least looking now. So it's a great question. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I should know, but. Uh, I guess the only thing I would say is Gray pitched on Tuesday. I guess you could treat that as a bullpen day, and he still could probably throw this weekend. And um, but but I really I'm really not sure. And we'll, well I guess we'll have to wait and see and find out together. Well, I appreciate you, Jesse Doherty, taking some time tonight. Uh, he is on Twitter at Doherty underscore Jesse, covering the Nationals for the Washington Post and spending some time with us here on the Strike Zone. Thank you for uh, catching up with us. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Anytime. Absolutely. That is Jesse Doherty from the. Washington Post here with us on the Strike Zone. Of course, that's uh, What's on Deck. It's sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck, the sign you have the very best because What's on Deck is that series coming up with the Nationals, as mentioned. Michaelis, Stephen Matz, and Jack Flaherty, your starters for the cards coming up the next three days. Break time. We're back. We'll look at the 2024 schedule, and we'll wrap things up on this edition of the Strike Zone. After this, I'm Joe Pott. Keep it on Camo X. Welcome back to the Strike Zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Final segment here of the Strike Zone on a Thursday night on KMOX. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. He'll be back as the Cardinals are back tomorrow to get that series started with the Washington Nationals. It, well, if you have a really quick comment, we might be able to get you in through on four four three six seven nine hundred. If you'd like to uh, react to anything any of the guests said, but otherwise, we'll uh, take a look at the two thousand twenty four schedule. Andrew Price, my buddy, did text at me. He believes that the Cardinals could use a bat at the deadline. So we'll see what it is. We'll see if he is in line with what the Cardinals are going to do. We know stuff is we know moves will come it's just a matter of as everybody has said how how they come i mean this is the fun part this is where this is of course in the movies right this is where we picture the brad pitt and jonah hill scene where he's uh where they're making the trades at the trade deadline and they've got one gm willing to offer the money and they're going to use that money on the players and it was all dramatized of course but it makes for great for a great cinematic moment when he when he gets that player and he loves he's all excited about getting uh the Rincon they get at that, that point. Yeah. So anyway, that's in the movies. 2024 schedule for the Cardinals. They will open on the road. They will open with a fairly lengthy uh, West Coast trip. They've got a four-game series in L.A. to start the year and then a three-game series in San Diego. I think uh, it is the first time they've opened with the Dodgers since 1984, I believe it is. And the Dodgers are going to open in Korea. They'll be part of the international series. We talked about that last night when they came out with that. A lot of cool uh, 
games to be featured and, and places. They're going back to London with the Mets and the Phillies. They've got uh, a, they're going back to Mexico City, and I can't remember who is playing in those games. And then of course they're opening to Korea, and then they're doing a spring training series in the Dominican Republic. So they're going a lot of different places, and I think it's really cool. I think it's great for the game. Spread that, uh, spread the game, spread the the knowledge, the love of the game. And the Cardinals will have a special game. They'll play on June 20th. They'll be at Rickwood Field in Birmingham, Alabama. That is the oldest ballpark in the country. And they're also going to honor Negro League stars. And I believe that Willie Mays is scheduled to be on hand at that game. So it's going to be really neat. And it is actually the it's the Field of Dreams game, but they are renovating the actual Field of Dreams site. So they're not going to play it in Iowa. They're, they've switched it down to Birmingham, but I still think it's a really cool spot. So, But uh, the Cardinals, the home opener is on April 4th, so it's after a long trip. Interesting, they don't have an off day before. They, of course, have the off day after in case something were to happen weather-wise. But they open with the Miami Marlins. And, of course, under Skip Schumacher this year, the Marlins have been really good. They've been playing really good baseball. The Cardinals will see the Marlins coming up here very shortly as well. After that national series, they're going to have the Miami Marlins in town at Bush stadium. But that's just to say that they have been playing really well. And if they carry that over, you're facing a good team to open the home schedule. The interesting part, as you look at this, uh, it's everybody plays everybody again. So you're going to get all of the teams that you don't always get a chance to see at St. Louis. You're going to see, American League teams from, well, you'll see the Royals, of course, as uh, as they have for many years since all-star play, or since interleague play, rather, started. You're going to see White Sox and Red Sox, Orioles, Rangers, Rays, the Mariners, and the Guardians coming back to uh, St. Louis. Boston is back for, 2000, for the first time since 2017, but, of course, it is also the 20th anniversary of the ending of the streak of the curse of the Bambino, Bambino when Boston beat the Cardinals in the World Series in 2004. So if you like that sort of thing, and I'm sure Boston fans do more, more so than Cardinals fans too. But so Boston's uh, back in St. Louis as well. That series will be, it's a weekend series in May, followed by a series against the Baltimore Orioles. You've got Kansas City here on a midweek series, which has been sort of the norm here recently that they play just that short two-game series. So they play them in uh, July in a two-game series. And then the other interleague series at home, you have, as I mentioned, the Tampa Bay coming to town. That's the middle of the week in August. And you've got Baltimore coming in as well. Baltimore is – well, you and you end the home season with Cleveland in September. You end this season with Cleveland, Colorado, and San Francisco. So not like your heavy – National League Central teams either that they would usually end the season with. So that's the uh, quick and dirty on the uh, Cardinals 2024 schedule, which was uh, announced earlier today. That pretty much wraps it up for this edition of the uh, Strike Zone here on KMOX. Big thanks to Kyle Sixta, who's been behind the board tonight. Thanks so much to Matt Pajeski, who has uh, been in charge of getting all of our guests together not just tonight, but the last couple of nights as well. Glad to have been with you for the last few nights. As I mentioned, Matt Pauley will be back tomorrow as the Cardinals resume the season against the Washington Nationals. 
tonight. Thanks to Will Leach. Thanks to Jesse Doherty. And, of course, Joey Zanaboni, the voice of St. Louis City SC. City is back on the pitch on Saturday to face Inter. Uh, I started to say Inter Milan. It's probably not Inter Milan. It's Inter Miami that is in town on Saturday. My thanks to you for tuning in as well. Uh, I'm taking a break, and I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact. I'm Joe Pot. This has been The Strike Zone, and this is Camo X.